I'm trying to eat healthier, and I just found out they have a natural Gatorade flavor. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, um, that's not what that means. For that deep down body thirst. <laughs> Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. for breakfast. Hi, Amy. Hi, Steph. How are you? I'm good. Um, Something kind of wonderful and terrible at the same time happened just yesterday that I kind of wanted to bring up. Ooh, I'm intrigued. I I don't know how many people listening do this or if you do stuff, but I have become someone that just like reminds people to get mammograms all the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep, I do. I just like find any damn excuse, you know, like my friend like painted something that had boobs on it and posted it on Facebook. And I'm like commenting, this is a good time to remind people to get me, you know, like I'm just like that annoying friend. And then people are like, yes, Amy, thanks. You know, which is so funny because we had like a bad outcome. So it's like, hey, (laughs) get a mammogram and you too could learn that you have a deadly disease. We just want more podcast listeners. (laughs) Um, No, no, no. But. You know, there's the whole like feel it on the first thing. And like, I haven't posted about that in a while, but I used to post that, which also side note, I get so much anxiety, honestly, my own self doing feel it on the first. That's something we should talk about sometime. I actually hate self-exams, but I post about that. Yes, we believe in them, but we loathe the anxiety. But I had posted about it saying there's been all this research that during the pandemic, people are putting off mammograms and this is why it's important. And I just wanted to remind people, like, take this as a nudge to maybe do this. And I had like said that and, um, you know, like somebody wrote me Ooh. and thanked me. You're making an impact. And said that they had gotten called back and it looks like they have early stage breast cancer, but very, very early. And they were like, I knew I had been putting off my mammogram, but then I... I took your nudge to heart and thought I should probably go do this. And they say it's like looking extremely early and it'll just be not just, but surgery and radiation, you know? So it's terrible that this person had um, to get those results. But like the fact that it was so, so early to me, I'm just like, I don't know. It just made me feel just so thankful to have been able to like, play that role for her and yeah. like I don't know just any possible good thing that can come out of my shit fest yeah makes me feel so good like just like oh god like what if this person for example like wouldn't have done that for another eight months and what if right. her outcome was poor like what yeah. if that actually did kind of shift things in the world somehow I don't know so good job but that's also a reminder to people to remind yeah. if you're comfortable doing so you know yeah Another friend got a call back for something irregular that ended up being nothing, but she had gone in and done it. And now she has that baseline scan as like 
her normal and everything. But like, I don't know. I just, yeah, the reminders are important. They so. are important. And I also, I harp on people all the time to get their mammograms. And I have had friends to say like, thanks for the nudge. I'm, I'm going in, I've made the appointment. And then sometimes they do get really scared and they'll text me from the waiting room or whatever and say like, I'm really scared and nervous. And Mm -hmm. it is really special that they feel comfortable talking about it with me. Yeah. And that I'm a safe person to tell their fears to because they know I get it. Totally. Yeah. And they know that you're really glad that they're there. Yes. And both you and I turned 40 this year. So like all of our classmates even are all turning 40. So that's like another place to like remind people to like get up in the scary fucking machines. (laughs) Right. And I also always like to remind them that they're probably fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Risk is so low. That's true. Um, How are you doing? Uh, I had some really, really good scan results. Yes. I've been waiting for you to share this. It um was unexpected. I really thought that they were going to be bad news scans because mm-hmm. my ribs have been bothering me. But good news, mm-hmm. they were not. <laughs> they were not bad news scans. They were good news scans. This is the best. This was your second three-month scan. Your first three-month scan, there was also some good news, which we recorded on the podcast, reported. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> it's just in. Um, yeah, so it, it's it been six months of full first-line treatment, and I'm responding really, really well. And my bone mets are all showing as inactive, which is fucking wild. It's so good. It's so... Best, this is literally best case scenario. It is best case scenario. I, I could not ask for more. My primary breast tumor that started out as 16 centimeters has shrunk to 1.4 centimeters. Oh, my God. And last scan, it was what? like It was like four centimeters. So it's just like, burp. and that's the only place where you have active disease. Yes. Which is clearly shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Yeah. So I had these sort of resistant rib lesions and... The other bone mets that I had had responded really well to treatment. And so those were Mm -hmm. showing as inactive before. But these rib lesions, my oncologist had kind of mentioned that we might need to do radiation to kind of bump up their response. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that's what this conversation was going to be. Yeah. Because my ribs have been bothering me. And I assumed that that was a bad sign, you know, that Mm -hmm. they weren't responding or maybe that even the lesions were growing. And that radiation was going to be the next step. But instead, they are not active anymore. And so, yeah, my primary tumor is the only site left. So, like, not to uh, curse. Like, I don't know. Do we knock on the wood? I don't know. What's the... Yeah, knock on wood. Whatever you're going to (laughs) say. I don't want to make my dog bark. It's always a danger. <laughs> He's like, raff, raff, you superstitious bitch, raff, raff. Um, if your stupid breast tumor actually shrinks the rate that it is shrinking, like you could possibly be no evidence of active disease, even by your next scan for all we know. Yes. Knocking on wood also, but knocking the hell. Theoretically, on. that is possible. And which is huge. It's huge. I mean, it's. It's not common to go from metastatic disease to no evidence of active disease. But if that does happen, your survival length guess goes way up. Way up. And um, that would be great news. 
Totally. Especially so early in the game. I know. I mean, I, I'm not counting my chickens before they hatch or anything, but it was just such a relief to get mm-hmm. these results. And um, I love being a success story, you know, like yeah. I got so much shitty news just very early on. Mm-hmm. It was just worse and worse and worse. And so, you know, like sometimes you get a good one. Yeah. You deserve some time to breathe and like soak up a little bit of sunshine, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for being open with that news. I also like, I don't want to put you on the spot every three months to give us the grand update unless you are willing to share it. But I also don't want our listeners to assume that things are bad if you don't want to share or for you to feel like you must share if you do get like news that you are considering bad and you don't want to talk about it. Like whatever. Anytime you want to share, we want to hear about it. Thank you. But it doesn't have to be every time. Yeah, I don't. I don't want it to be all about me, but no, I want I want (laughs) you to share. I just don't want you to feel like all of the eyes are like looking at you being like now what now <laughs> um but and i also just wanted to mention to anyone listening i just want to bring up the fact that steph and i are both doing really really well mm-hmm. and a lot of people aren't and the reason that we are able to do this podcast is because we're doing well like i would never have had the space or the mental capacity yeah to spend the time or the bandwidth on this during chemo. Like there's just no fucking way yeah. I've done that. Absolutely. So I just wanted to like mention that and kind of know that we're always holding space for like people that are listening that are like sitting in the chemo chair as we speak. Yeah. Listening, which somebody wrote and said she did, which I loved. But Totally. Love it. I know we're with you and I promise you. I'm not podcasting from the toilet, which is where I've been for the past two days, <laughs> but um, it's not all. We could clip the mic to the sink, <laughs> yeah. kind of bend it over, put some towels up for the echo. That's right. It'd be fine. Sure. Um, yeah. So thanks for coming along on this good news train ride of mine. <laughs> hey, um, your news was good. But you sure had a panic-filled weekend. Oh, my God. I did. Fucking my chart. This relates to our letter we're going to read. But I do want you to share your my chart fucking... Debacle. Debacle. Do you want me to read the letter first or do you want to tell us what happened? Uh, Why don't you read the letter first so we can see that it's not just me. I'm not... (laughs) (laughs) Well, we also like have a whole episode about this cares act my chart where they just fucking drop your results good or bad into your yeah they're monsters unmitigated monsters yeah okay well i'm gonna read this and then you tell us what happened um but this gal writes to us she says thanks cares act hi steph and amy i started this letter by penning a three-page essay about the science of radioactive iodine treatment for thyroid cancer, but I thought it was a bit much for first correspondence. Um, I would love to get that letter. <laughs> yeah, send that send that one too. <laughs> send it. Part two. Um, I have been going through a testing for a possible recurrence of thyroid cancer. It started with blood work way, way back in the early days of April. The tumor marker for differentiated thyroglobulin had risen pretty significantly since my last check. 
My endocrinologist ordered a neck ultrasound. The ultrasound found a spot in my otherwise empty thyroid bed and some big lymph nodes. I'm sorry to hear mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Sounds like a lot to be dealing with right now. Um, she writes, I had a biopsy in one of my lymph nodes on Tuesday. The radiologist warned me before I even left the hospital that he had seen papillary thyroid cancer cells in the aspirate. They checked to make sure there are enough cells for molecular testing while you are still in the room, which is pretty considerate of them. The quote unquote official results were released to me today at 5.45 p.m. like a newspaper thrown haphazardly on a freshly watered lawn. I logged into my chart and found out that I have Hajimoto's thyroiditis, an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. I read the pathology report several times and each time it made less sense. The biopsy was done on the thyroid nodule. I don't have a thyroid. The radiologist did three passes with a needle. No, he did four. Totally benign. Wait, did I even have thyroid cancer? Could I have kept my thyroid? It dawned on me that I had the wrong patient's <gasps> results. Oh my God. I feel terrible for the person who now thinks they have thyroid cancer right? if our results were switched. Jesus. I have to say unfettered and immediate access to lab results has some serious shortcomings. Thanks, CARES Act. Love, no thyroid, Tara. P.S. I adore your show. Thank you for the great insight and anecdotes. Tara. Oh, my God. Dude. I am outraged on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Seriously. And the person, like you said, the person who thinks they have thyroid cancer. Did they get them? I need a part two. It can involve radioactive iodine. Yeah. Then I need to hear what your real results were because I'm concerned for how you're doing yeah and what's going on yeah update us with what actually (laughs) is going on in your body not in somebody else's yeah and how the hospital made this fucking up to you right is it what's the please don't sue us gesture for 2021 is it a parking (laughs) voucher or free coffee at the cafe and i kind of do hope you just never really had thyroid cancer wouldn't that be something the different results the wrong ones were actually that we removed your thyroid we never did that you have a thyroid you could just throw away that level of thyroxine oh my god that's that is a nightmare though and it goes to show computers have glitches computers jesus human error is still a thing and uh i had my own experience with computer glitches that resulted in me also having a fear spiral Certainly nothing like the one that results from knowing you have a recurrence of cancer, but not knowing the extent and also having your privacy invaded. Right. And somebody else's privacy invaded. So also like we think waiting for results are bad just for like a regular test when you're waiting and you already know that they have found cancer cells and you're like waiting to see exactly what is going on with that. Right. Because like. Tara already knew that the radiologist had had seen cancer. So just wanting to know the extent of it, of course, you're going to jump right on that my chart result as soon as you get the email and then having to wait even longer because, of course, it was fucking 545 p.m. Like devil people. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Okay, so tell us 
tell us your drama. This was quite a weekend. It was quite a weekend. It was just the wackadoo cancer brain telling me that disasters were happening, even though objectively, intellectually, it made absolutely no fucking sense. But it's so relatable. So you had your scan on a Thursday. Right. And then on a Friday, ding dong goes the MyChart bell, right? Right. And so I go look because I'm insane and I can't help myself. Yes, I go. And there in my chart is the test. Mm -hmm. It's the PET's nuclear medicine scan. Mm -hmm. You have a new test result. Yep. Click here. Click. And up pops a thing that says you have no results. So what do I assume? Oh, it's the absolute worst case scenario. And my oncologist has pushed that imaginary red button that says, Stephanie can't see this or she'll throw herself off a cliff. Yeah, because your oncologist knew she had an appointment with you on Monday morning. So she wanted to tell you in person. Yeah, she wanted to like really get the casket um, catalog set up for me so I could choose. And Mm -hmm. yeah, but I spent all weekend freaking the fuck out, texting you nonstop about Mm -hmm. how it was terrible news. And why is this? I was questioning everybody's motives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was saying that I would be feeling the exact same way because of course, right. But also it didn't make sense that the hospital's practice would be when we've already discussed how this terrible law makes it, if the results are bad or good, yeah. drops them in your fucking account. So your doctor like couldn't be pulling them. And if doctors could just pull them before you see them to protect you or speak to you in person, there's no way that it would just still say that they were there. It right. would like have them, they would disappear because this would just be such a, such a clusterfuck of phone calls for them. Of course. From people being like, wow, it was there. Exactly. And No matter how many sensible people told me the same thing, I still couldn't stop the fear spiral. And even this woman I asked in my local support group, um, because I knew that these people also, uh, a lot of them go to the same clinic. So I thought, you know, maybe this has happened to one of them. And this Mm -hmm. woman was so sweet. She was like, I'm sure your oncologist is a very nice person who cares about you, but like, she doesn't care about you that much. (laughs) This is not happening. Um, and then <laughs> totally. And then it turned out that I was just nuts and it was just a computer glitch mm-hmm. and the results were great and mm-hmm. whatever but but you still had to wait till you like heard it from her mouth 8:30 on Monday morning. I did. I am so grateful that the appointment was first thing in the morning on Monday. But this is the kind of reassurance yeah. that I need. Um my oncologist was like, "Yeah, Like if we did want to choose to hold back any results, Medicare would charge us like millions of dollars as a hospital. So Mm. I was like, okay, that makes sense. Now I can move forward understanding that I'm not worth that. Right. And like your oncologist is so wonderful that that she would have texted you and said, hey, I pulled these because I know you're going to like read them and freak without me explaining to you exactly what's going on. Or she would have texted you. She would have emailed you. Yes. And that's another thing she said. She reiterated, like, we're not going to pull them. And also, if there's something big happening with you, if you have a clot or if, you know, there's Mm. rapid progression that needs immediate action, we will call you. Or if there's like a really good sale on coffins. Yeah. (laughs) Get in now. She's she's in the affiliate program for the local. (laughs) She knows you have good storage at your house. That's right. (sighs) So, 
even the coolest of cucumbers gives into the fear spiral sometimes. Yeah. Not that I'm a cool cucumber at any Yes, you point. are. <laughs> you absolutely are. But as much as I was playing like the freaking rational Nancy mm-hmm. yep. part of the script. <laughs> rational Renee. Irrational Renee. <laughs> I would have been absolutely thinking the same thing. And the fact that it's like Friday. But you did explain, though, that like once a test is done, yeah. then their system like creates a spot for that to go, which which is what I saw is the yeah. like, here's your test result. Your test results are ready. And within that goes into mm-hmm. the results actually go there. So somebody had created that place for it to live without actually sending the results yet. So that's why that thing had gone through to you. Yep. I think people people need to know that stuff like that happens. And yeah. it's not like some plan to mm-hmm. save your psyche it's just like weird fucking computer glitch yeah unfortunately they don't care about your psyche <laughs> not that much thanks cares act. <laughs> thanks cares act. oh anyway tara thank you for listening send us an update yeah. and we will be thinking about cha you know it should i read another yes please okay so a gal named sarah writes hi The Under the Bus episode was recommended on Forever 35, so I immediately paused that pod and listened to Cancer for Breakfast. That discussion... Can we pause for a second and talk about... Once I finish this compliment from her. Oh, all right. That discussion was super helpful. Thank you. Okay, carry on. I just just needed to get that out. I love it. It felt really good to read it. It felt good to hear it. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, but tell us, Forever 35 shouted us the fuck out. I cannot believe it. It's such a cool podcast and they're such cool women. And the way that I actually found out about it was in this big like podcast circle of love. One of my Facebook cancer groups, which is for cancerinos, <laughs> who are my favorite murder fans who have cancer. <laughs> I love it. I guess there's like groups for my favorite murder fans who have or who are or who like all sorts of different categories, right? Yes. Like everything. That's so funny. There's a, an, a Reno group for everything. But um, yeah, so one of the one of the Cancerinos tagged me and was like, Stephanie, your podcast oh. just got shouted out on Forever 35. And I was just, on this really big, really cool podcast. Yes, it was amazing. And thank you to whoever did that. So cool. And it was a listener of Cancer for Breakfast wrote to Forever 35. And Forever 35 is like this really cool podcast that recommends great things to people. Yeah, they talk about like skincare and relationships. And it's great. I love it. Yeah. You're in the know when you listen. So somebody wrote them saying this has been helpful for them and that Under the Bus episode was really good to be able to share with friends and family who needed to understand where this person was coming from with their diagnosis and whoever you were who wrote that letter to them thank you yes thank you we got a ton of downloads from it afterwards and new followers so that was really really cool but also like why aren't you writing to our podcast we want to hear from you too um shall i keep reading or yes i'm sorry to interrupt you no i think it's so cool to shout them out back and say it's a really cool podcast and to thank that listener for mentioning us yeah okay last june 2020 my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer metastasized to her bones and a brain aneurysm her treatments have been working very well and she is in very stable condition i am responsible for her health care scheduling transportation public assistance insurance bills etc there's one situation in particular that i would appreciate hearing your thoughts and ideas 
My mom was staying with her sister when the pandemic hit and decided to quarantine with her. Then came the cancer diagnosis and she decided to continue living with her sister because the initial treatments were so debilitating and she didn't feel safe living alone. My mom owns and had been living pre-COVID in her home about an hour from where she is currently living and an hour and a half from my home. I have been driving over to her house every few weeks to check on it, make sure it is safe, no break-ins, mow the lawn, and that it doesn't look abandoned, grab things that she has requested, etc. For months, she goes back and forth between wanting to sell it or wanting to move back into it, but has gotten no closer to making a decision. Also, she has hoarder tendencies and is very emotional about her belongings. I work full time and have my own home and responsibilities, and I don't want to be taking care of an abandoned home for years, hopefully, to come. Also, I'm kind of burned out. How do I talk to my mom about this? Do I encourage her to sell? Do I encourage her to move back in? Do I suggest at least boxing up her belongings and moving them somewhere safer? Or do I keep my mouth shut and just deal with whatever, whenever, because she has had enough shit going on around her life right now as it is? I would genuinely appreciate a response to this question if you have the time and energy. My therapist is more concerned about how I'm feeling and doesn't really help with a game plan. Friends and family advice is all over the place. Thank you, Sarah. Wow. Sarah, I'm so sorry about your mom. Yeah. And so sorry that you're dealing with it, too. Yeah. And to be responsible for all of those things that you listed is a huge, huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is difficult to navigate, like all of the medical billing and insurance stuff. It can be a full time job. Yeah, seriously. I could argue on either side of this thing, but I think where I'm kind of coming from with my answer is going to be that now is not the time to push your mom Mm -hmm. into selling or boxing anything up or dealing with that. I feel like people with hoarding tendencies and like really strong emotional connections to their things and their clutter and like individual items like that in itself, even if it might not be healthy or it might be like harder to relate to, it's still like a real thing. It's like something that exists in her life and that's not just going to go away. And now is clearly not the time for her to like get rid of those tendencies and to like be cured of her hoarding tendencies. It's just not going to happen right now. Nor would she have the mental capacity to work on that. Yeah. It's a pandemic. She was diagnosed during the pandemic. Yeah. She's dealing with a serious diagnosis. She's dealing with just like figuring out if her treatment is working. This is all new. Yeah. And I think it's too much. I think that moving to the sister's house was fucking smart. It was so smart. It was the smartest thing she could have done, I think. Yeah. What do you think? I totally agree with that. I think that um, the people I know who live alone during the pandemic, even the ones who don't have cancer, have suffered emotionally. Yeah. And to add cancer to the mix, and that's just to the emotional burden of being alone. But then the physical part of it is huge. And For her to go someplace where she can be safe and get emotional support Mm -hmm. and also where it's somebody who's on an even level, like she's not going to her daughter's house to Sarah's Mm -hmm. because that dynamic is so tough when you're needing to be cared for Mm -hmm. 
her sister is her equal, you know, and so she can get that kind of support. She can probably say things to her sister that she doesn't feel like she can say to other people. Mm -hmm. And to get out of that clutter, be taken care of, have company during the pandemic. I think all of that was super smart for her to do. Yeah. And I agree that now is not the time to confront her about selling or boxing up her stuff as somebody with stage four cancer. If if that were proposed to me, I would feel like, oh, I you're treating me like I'm already dead. Right. Like you don't want to deal with all of my stuff right. when I die. So you want me to just do this right now? Like I don't have another 500 things to worry about. Right. And I don't, Sarah, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that in a disparaging way um, because practical stuff is good to focus on when you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, which I'm sure you are. Yeah. But I do have some ideas for ways that you can take some things off of your plate. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing is that it's a lot of house chores. And people who offer help when you're diagnosed with cancer don't often realize that there are these like little tasks that take up a lot of time when you put them all together. So like mowing the lawn, getting the mail, especially Mm -hmm. when there's this hour and a half travel time. That's fucking bonkers. Right. Which like there and back is three hours and you're doing that twice a month. So you're driving six hours a month along with the time you're spending at the house to do the chores. Yeah. So this is where you ask somebody in the neighborhood who's closer to the house or who has a teenage son or a a friend Mm -hmm. or family member who's close by to mow the lawn. Mm -hmm. If you have to pay them, sure. But usually somebody's willing to do it for free. Right. But also even to throw some money at it, and I don't know your financial situation, but if you're driving six hours a month, even the gas money in the exchange could pay for that lawn mowing, I'm guessing, and just get it the fuck out of your hair. Because what I'm hearing from you is that this house responsibility is not working for you. Right. And so let's figure out how to get you out of it and not worry about your mom having to do all this action to get you out of it. Let's find the easiest way to get you out of it for a specific period of time of like six months to a year where it's just like, let the fucking house sit. Yeah. And how can the house be safe and not have you deal with it? One thing that we have at my house, because my carport faces an alley that's like next to a busy street is we got one of those more inexpensive security cameras that has an app attached to it. So like we'll get a notification on our phones if... Um, is it a wise camera? Uh, yes, w- it is a wise camera. Y-Z. We have those two. They're so handy. And you get a notification if there's mm-hmm. like a person detected or an animal detected. Yeah. Um, and it's like Wi-Fi. So you could be anywhere. You could be an hour and a half away and just open it up and review it or set it to alerts. If yeah. Anything happens. Mm-hmm. And um, that might give you some peace of mind as far as the security aspect goes. Um, we'll link that in the show notes. Absolutely. If anybody wants one. They're like, for security cameras, they're so cheap. Like, I don't remember how much they are. I think it's like $30 for a camera. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Or you can get like three for $60. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, totally. And then you can also get ones that have like voice capabilities. So if somebody, oh, right. if somebody's there, you can be like, get off of my porch. <laughs> you know, I'm inside with a gun. <laughs> right. And not very much stuff. <laughs> definitely not a hoarder. I, I think that that would be a good solution. Um, yes. And then also just like enlist the neighbors. If you know any of them, if you can talk to them, just tell them what's going on. And I'm sure they would be willing to collect all the mail, give them your phone number to call. Oh, also like if, if any of the neighbors have 
two or three cars. It's America. Yeah. If anyone is listening from another country, (laughs) we all have two or three cars. Um, But like maybe somebody parks a car on this street because they only have parking in their driveway for one car. So you could ask like, hey, would you just park your car in in the driveway? Yeah. Next door neighbor. Absolutely. To make it just appear like someone's there. Yeah. And then pay some high school kid to mow the lawn twice a month. Give them 80 bucks, 40 bucks a Use their own mower, whatever. Get some lights on timers. Sit on it. You could, your mom needs things from her house. So you say you ask her what she needs and you go pick them up for her, which is great. Um, But you can just tell your mom, hey, this is not working for me. I have too much other stuff going on. I will drive to your house once every three months if you need something. So be really mindful of what you think you might need for this trip because I won't be going back until whatever month, you know. Like you have to set your boundaries to your mom. And then also, I think telling her like, hey, I do want to revisit this, not because I think you're like going to die and it's going to be my problem, but because like if this house isn't in use, like we need to figure out what's going to go on with it. you know? Right. And I think that's what you said is so important to to name it. You can say, I want to talk about this, not because I think you're going to die and it's a burden. Right. But because... XYZ, you know, like, because I'm driving there twice a month. Right. And this could go on for years. Like, I, you know, like it's not working. Right. Like saying that your mom is already thinking about her mortality. She's already got all of this on her mind. So saying, hey, I'm in this. I want to support you. But like, I can't continue to go multiple times a month. Right. Because I am assuming that you're going to be around for a while and this is just not sustainable. Not feeling like you have to tiptoe around the situation um, mm-hmm. because you don't have to, you know, there are these practical things that have to get taken care of. Your mom knows that. And I'm sure she would much rather your support time be taken up with spending time with her or, you know, chatting on the phone with her or whatever yeah. and not having to deal with all of her house chores and yeah. building resentment too, because that totally is going to happen. Yeah. And you're doing all of these other things that sound a little bit more manageable. Like, yes, dealing with the hospital billing and dealing with appointments and all that stuff is a lot for you to take on. But it also is giving you kind of a practical way to be involved and to be helping her, which might actually feel better than just like twiddling your thumbs and not having anything to be doing. So like maybe that is kind of working for you. But also you have all these emotions wrapped up around finding out that your mom is sick and dealing with it that I mean maybe this house driving and taking care of is sort of acting as an outlet for all of your anger and sadness and emotion as like a place to direct this frustration to you know I mean I can't imagine these long drives twice a month like what you're thinking about during these drives for me I don't know why but just like the open road is that not where you're just like contemplating everything so it's just like a flood of like oh of course and then going to your mom's empty house has to bring about a lot of feelings not only of like god i have to take care of all this but of sadness and fear and jesus right yeah i totally totally see how this is a super complicated thing yeah but give yourself the space to grieve and be practical in, in other ways and throw some money at this problem. And agreed with asking others for help, like even to raise a little bit of money to pay for the 
lawn maintenance amongst her friends, all these people, like we always talk about how everybody wants to help, but they don't know how. So actually assigning a task to the people around. People love it. Like they love a task. They love it. They want to help. And if you just tell them what it is, and it's also clearly, we also say it's hard for the cancer person themselves to ask for help. So if you're the one that's just saying, okay, I have this thing. I need a solution. I need you to help with it. Here it is. People will be like, great. Yeah. Even if you set up like a text chain or an email list or something of people who are willing to help, whether they're locals or, or closer to your mom, you can say, Hey, I need somebody to mow mom's lawn this week. Cause regular person can't do it. Or mm-hmm. can somebody go pick up the mail this week? Can somebody mm-hmm. go by and dust the house you know what whatever it is people do dust love the house <laughs> who are you do people i don't do people I don't dust do i don't either but people fucking love a task they do they do want to help fucking love a task <laughs> um can i just say about my hoarding tendencies that in the back of our car right now um is stuff for kevin to take to the trash place or whatever mm-hmm. i save everything with these intentions the trash place what is the trash place? i don't the dump well i don't i think he's i don't i don't want to like i would never lie to our listeners he's not actually going to the dump but he's going to a dumpster oh right he's got to find on his dad's apartment but it's also like well why is he going to his dad's apartment to throw things away well it's very complicated because he needs a dumpster right everybody has the dumpster that they know is poorly lit and <laughs> unattended at night <laughs> his dad pays rent there okay um but one of the things is my breastfeeding pillow that i just feel bad throwing it away because it's like not technically trash mm-hmm. and it was a really good breastfeeding pillow and my intention was to give it to somebody else who's having a baby but the reason it's trash is because inside of the cover when you actually take the pillow out it's ripped oh like, yeah in half but the pillow keeps it together so i'm like i would never actually give this broken breastfeeding pillow <laughs> to a new mom because new moms are like we all know crazy people who like need everything to be like uh-huh. organized and nice and perfect for their children as i did yep but it just felt too wasteful like throw it away you know so like yes i was climbing into our car today and i knew he was going to make this run and there's just like the pillow just in there as if he's just like made the call he's <laughs> this is not working for him he didn't ask me about it it's just like the pillow is back there and i'm just kind of i haven't said anything to him about it. i'm just like yes get rid of that i mean usually it's not broken stuff but i do have all these really good intentions for these things well like this one's... and it's special it was your pillow i am the exact same yeah. way i love that they came up with some cute names for people like us like maximalists and um i thought you were gonna say cute names for breastfeeding pillows because this particular one is called my breast oh friend. i had a my breast friend pillow they're the best screw a boppy a boppy can like a boppy is good for like a two-year-old or a right. one-year-old but like the brand new babies you got to get a my breast friend it's true okay but what were you saying maximum maximalist and clutter core yes. i appreciate that they've rebranded as hoarders <laughs> i know i minimalism is so boring to me like i'm just like you can make your house look like a beautiful magazine and it's all white that's yeah but like where do you put your actual stuff yeah and how is it comfortable like you need you need some things. I think too, like when you're a person like me who like my entire adult life, I haven't had any money. So like we don't have fancy things normally, but I do love thrifting and like going to antique shops and stuff. And so you have special things. I have special things. And I do also have really deep emotional attachments 
to stuff, which I'm sure, you know, people think is stupid or unhealthy or whatever. But um, I do like they mean a lot to me. And I remember like when I found them. And (laughs) and so I think like of other people, especially when you're facing something life threatening and really scary, it would be really hard to say goodbye to all of these special things that have made up a a lot of happiness in your life. Totally. Or like things that were gifts from people that you love. Yeah. Like the those items become really heavier to me. It's like I can't give them away. And then it's just kind of like I just keep things forever. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love Buy Nothing is because like the, the Buy Nothing project, because then I can give things to a person and I can see yes. the person and makes things a little bit easier. Does anybody want a ripped breastfeeding pillow (laughs) from three years ago when I stopped breastfeeding. But here's a bunch of really cute pictures of my baby lying on it. And she was very nourished. Very, very nourished. But it does cause breast cancer. Just kidding. (laughs) Unfortunately. Oh, shoot. Um, Okay. So I'm just hearing these little pitter-pattering of cute little feet mm. running across the room. Yeah, I hear those too. What is it? it I, is it a rat? It's rats. It's rats. It's rats. It's rats. It's rats. It's rats. week was World Blood Cancer Day. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I don't know that much about blood cancers. I really didn't even know what they were. Mm. I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but I decided to learn a little bit more. And I wanted to share that with everybody. I love it. I love to learn with you. (laughs) So you've got your leukemia, your lymphoma, your myeloma. Those are the big three. Mm -hmm. And they're cancers of blood and bone marrow. Most of them start in the bone marrow, which is where blood is made. And basically what happens with all of them is abnormal blood cells grow out of control. And they're different type of cells for different diseases. But That's the gist. Um, Lymphoma develops in the lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much the gist of it. And a lot of them are pretty sneaky and have symptoms that, you know, would go along with a lot of other illnesses or even just like being a person in the world, like fatigue and and nausea and night sweats and things like that. So especially like being in perimenopause can mirror the symptoms or um, Mm. (laughs) having small children, (laughs) which, you know, you're (laughs) sick a lot and you're tired all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it can be a lurker and that's a little bit scary. But I read up on the American Society of Hematology meeting, which happened in December of 2020. And there are some cool developments that they talked about there. And I will put these in the show notes because it's a little bit dry. But Mm -hmm. if you're interested in learning about the recent developments for blood cancers, there are three new drugs that were approved in the last half of 2020 for follicular lymphoma, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, and mantle cell lymphoma. Then there's also a big clinical trial called Captivate, which is in phase two. 
And that's combined two drugs, which are Imbruvica and Venclexta. And that's for chronic lymphocytic leukemia or CLL. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'll put those in the show notes for people who want to learn more about that. Wonderful. Um, The thing that I was most interested in uh, when I was reading about this meeting was that back on the scene as a threat to people is the chemical benzene. So in 1977, there was a study done that showed benzene exposure uh, could result in a five-fold increase in leukemia. Hmm. And What is it? Um, it's a chemical that is most often used as an industrial solvent. Hmm. And so it was present in a lot of manufacturing, like of rain boots, hmm. rain slickers, umbrellas things like that. They also have used it in products like hand sanitizers, some sunscreens, Mm. and some like after sun care kinds of things. Hey, everyone. Yeah. So in the 80s, OSHA, which is uh, for people who aren't in the U.S., Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA reduced the limit of benzene in things to one part per million. And that happened in 1987. But even that limit is associated with 10 extra leukemia deaths per 1,000 workers. So still not a super acceptable level of benzene. Mm -hmm. But the FDA, with the pandemic, eased up restrictions on the benzene content in hand sanitizers because there was such an immediate need for hand sanitizer. And so they relaxed. Like recently? Yeah, during the pandemic. So, oh, great. They relaxed the the benzene (laughs) restrictions. And so the levels in benzene, like in hand sanitizers, shot up. And unfortunately, this is also now the case in sunscreens and after sun care products, just like it was before. The doses in these products are less than what triggered the regulations. But this article that I read, which had interviews with Valisher, which is an independent testing lab in Connecticut, and Philip Landrigan, who's the director of Global Public Health Program at Boston College. Um, this article said that, you know, obviously, like, even if the doses in these products are less, they add up if it's like sunscreen and things that you're using regularly. Yeah. Um, so the FDA regulation is two parts per million for hand sanitizers. And this Valisher lab found that some sunscreen and hand sanitizer was testing at six parts per million. Um, and that is not good. I like I get that we needed hand sanitizer, but mm. I don't think that relaxing public health standards. Right. Was... Especially without making that very apparent in public to the people that are purchasing it. Right. Um, the World Health Organization puts benzene in its highest risk category with other substances like asbestos. Jesus age Christ. So it is a huge, huge risk for developing leukemia. When you just hear this stuff, don't you just want to like throw your hands up and be like, why do we even try? Like, yeah, what the fuck? Like, 
Why? It's so messed up. And it's always the biggest companies, too. I don't want to name any of them, but I will link to this article in the show notes so that people can read the companies for themselves. But they're the ones that are widely available in the grocery stores and even ones that have like branding that makes them seem more like, quote unquote, natural. Natural. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's pretty fucking scary. I mean, look Mm -hmm. for benzene content in your sunscreens and your hand sanitizers. Is it labeled? As such, or it what is, is the, it's labeled it as benzene. Um, benzene, okay. And so it should be on the ingredients list. I just bought sunscreen yesterday. I want to go see what the fuck it says. Yeah, it's some hippie brand though. But if they tricked me, <laughs> make sure. Yeah, I mean it's scary. I don't. I I Ugh. never like to be an alarmist about stuff like this because once upon a time I was really neurotic about like the kinds of products that I bought, mm-hmm. and I still am to an extent. But like this is backed by science. And yeah. has but also like the way you just said that is like almost like I don't want to seem like snooty, but I buy organic stuff or whatever. Like I hate the there's this like stereotype of like people who buy organic stuff or buy yeah. things that yeah. from smaller places are snobby or are silly or are like yeah uppity little yuppie freaks. Right. But it's like that stereotype is pushed in order to keep these large companies selling things to people who are like buying into that mentality. Totally. I mean, whatever. I, I'm not saying you have to buy all organic or whatever, but I'm just saying like... It's true, though. And I do feel self-conscious about it because I'm sure there are people in my life who are like, oh, how's that coconut oil treating you now that you got cancer anyway? But, mm. <laughs> but you know, like... I realize that it's a privilege to be able to buy. Yeah. These and it's expensive, products. which is also the problem. Like, yeah. why the fuck is having shit that doesn't have chemicals in it or on it more expensive? Right. And why is shit not clearly labeled? Yeah. I just get so clearly mad. And it just sucks that it's it's always these big name products that that cut corners and put additives like benzene. So be on the lookout. Um Particularly if, you know, you are somebody who uses these products daily or regularly, like I do. I have to use sunscreen every day. And so do my kids. We're like lily white, little Pacific Northwestern freaks. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so sorry to <laughs> sound the alarm on sunscreen. But that was what I learned about leukemia and other blood cancers. Um. Do you know, like, well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but just because it was just blood cancer awareness day, like, are you familiar with like the main symptoms? Or th- um, yeah. So common blood cancer symptoms are unfortunately a lot of the symptoms that come with like just age. Being a person. Being a person. Yeah. Um, but some of the more common ones are um, frequent infections. Loss of appetite or nausea, persistent weakness and fatigue, shortness of breath, um, swollen lymph nodes, Mm. anywhere you have lymph nodes, but, you know, mostly like neck, armpits, groin. Mm -hmm. And then there's some other ones that are a little bit more uncommon in everyday life. So coughing, chest pain, frequent fever that doesn't have another explanation and itchy skin rashes. Mm. So, you know, if you have multiple of these, 
might be worth asking after. I, you know, I went to my doctor before I was diagnosed because I did have some really profound fatigue. And it's so hard because like you're a mom of three Mm -hmm. small children. And my doctor was like, I mean, like we'll do thyroid tests and things like that. But also like you just have a tiring life. (laughs) So so it's hard. It's hard to nail down some of these symptoms, um, especially for some of these trickier cancers like blood cancers. Well, thank you for that info. And yeah, I'm going to just go bathe and not use soap. I was going to say, wash myself with soap, but I, how, how will I know if the soap is safe? Probably has the soap is safe. I'm sorry to ruin everything. It's fine. Keep using sunscreen. Just get a parasol. You don't need sunblock. Yeah, get a nice big sun hat. That's a real mm-hmm. cool move. Don't go outside either. That's... <laughs> well, seriously, there's air out there. It's true. Who knows what's Who knows in what's it? what's in it? That's right. We should do a whole episode about every product and just things that they think contribute to cancer risk oh, which God. would give me the biggest panic attack in the world but i do find it fascinating because there's so many things that like you wouldn't necessarily even think about totally and then once you hear it it's like etched in your brain well forever. what's really fucked up too is that forever i use the environmental working group like the skin deep database have you heard of that or ever no. used it No, and that's why I got cancer. (laughs) Well, it's this database that rates products and it tells you, you know, like which are quote unquote safe or whatever. But then I read a bunch of articles about it recently where it's been debunked because they basically just like products can be, yeah, can be recommended (laughs) if the company pays. And so, oh my God, human beings are the worst. Yeah. The ratings are not consistent at all. Um, Like different different products with the same ingredients will be rated differently. It's just like, come on. Like we just need safe products. It's that. And a jail cell for whoever is running that app or website. Right. God, that was very disappointing to learn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, now that we're all pissed, (laughs) I want everyone to listen to a really happy song and stop being pissed and have a wonderful day. And thank you for listening to Kids Here for Breakfast. Yeah. Anything else, Steph? Go take a walk around the block in the beautiful sunshine. Okay. Well, I guess that's an episode, Steph. I think that it is. Sorry for bumming everybody out about sunscreen. <laughs> Still use it, please. <sighs> Still use it. Just don't trust anybody. <laughs> Do not trust any corporation. No. Um, and don't leave your house. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Cancer for Breakfast. We will have more wonderful content for you next Wednesday. Uh, would you consider rating or reviewing us on Apple? That would, that would be really cool. We were just talking about how we've like reached our rating limit. Like we got tons of ratings for like a period of... We plumbed all of our friends and family. <laughs> we, I mean, maybe. I mean, we're getting downloads. We know people are listening, but the, we like haven't gotten any more ratings all of a sudden in like weeks. So I guess, I guess you guys just like don't like it when we ask you to rate us. Is that it? Is that what it is? I mean, I don't like to be told what to fucking do. I don't either. I resent it deeply, to be honest. Don't rate us. Whatever you do, Uh, don't. We don't want it. 
We don't need it. It doesn't make a difference. I'd rather, you know, exist in this relative obscurity. Me too. Yeah. And I have all the self-confidence I need. So obviously. Follow us on Instagram and bye. Goodbye. Right? Anything else? Nope. Nope. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.